بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ is the 12th of November in the year 2023. And Alhamdulillah, we moved on to the 14th session that we're going through the commentary of the Blessed Surah Al-Mu'minun. And I've reached verse 62. So inshallah today going through up to and including verse 67. So verse 62. On no soul do we place a burden greater than it can bear. Before us is a record which clearly shows the truth. They will never be oppressed. So here is a report from the Prophet So this narration is recorded in Tirmidhi, number 2406. He graded it Hasan Sahih. And Ibn Imaj, number 4023, Mishkat. Mus'ab ibn Sa'd reports on the authority of Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas that he asked, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which people face trials the most? Ya Rasulullah, ayyun nasi ashaddu bala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he responded, Al-anbiya'u thumma al-amthalu fal-amthal. The Prophet's والسلام, then the likes, then the likes. Then he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Yubtala rajulu ala hasbi dini. A man is tested according to his religion. Fa in kana fi dinihi sulman ishtadda balao. If he is firm on his religion, then the trial is severe. وَإِنْ كَانَ فِي دِينِهِ رِقَّةً أُبْتَلِيَ عَلَىٰ قَدْرِ دِينِهِ And if he is soft in observing his religion, then he is tried according to his religion. فَمَا يَبْرَحُ الْبَلَاءُ بِالْعَبْدِ حَتَّى يَتْرُقَهُ Then the trial does not remove from the slave حَتَّى يَتْرُقَهُ يَمْشِ عَلَىٰ الْأَرْضِ وَمَا عَلَيْهِ خَتِيَةً until the slave walks on the earth having no sin. So here, this is actually quite a famous report, but commentary is very important. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, No soul shall we place a burden greater than it can bear. In this verse, verse 62. <coughs> so the Prophet is clarifying upon this. The most severely tested are the prophets and those who are like them and those who are like them. Then the golden formula, the Prophet said, A man is tested according to his religion. If he is firm, then the trial is severe. So the Prophet is saying that if you have a strong, firm iman, you will be tested with a strong tribulation or test. But if you are soft in your religion, you are tested accordingly. But then the Prophet said, and this is the bit that needs to be clarified, said Allah, said, فَمَا يَبْرَحُ الْبَلَاءُ بِالْعَبْدِ حَتَّى يَتْرُكَهُ يَمْشِ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ وَمَا عَلَيْهِ خَتِيَةً Then the trial does not leave from the servant 
until he walks over the earth having no sin upon him. So the Prophet was explaining now two things. You are tested according to your level of Iman. But what is the point of the test? The Prophet said for you to be forgiven your sins. But now this also needs to be explained. Why? Because how does that apply to the Prophets? They've got no sin. So the scholars, they point out <clears throat> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Predominantly, the righteous are tested to increase their ranks. For their sins are few. And predominantly, the sinners are tested to purify them. <clears throat> this is the meaning. So for the prophets, <clears throat> there's no purification. They're purified. So what is the test for? The test is to simply raise their ranks further. And now think about that. That actually shows the supreme status of the prophets. They've got no sins. <laughs> and yet they're more severely tested. <laughs> So they have the severest test and they've got no sins. So what's happening? Skyrocketing. Their ranks, their, their maqam. Then the righteous, they've got few sins. The Sahaba. So obviously, the severest tests are upon Abu Bakr. But you honestly believe that was to purify him. <coughs> so obviously, yes, there's a slight purification maybe here and there. It's to skyrocket their status. But for the sinners, the test is to purify him. Right, so this is how we understand this report of the Prophet So again, this is how we have the outlook in the world of whatever time and situation that the Muslims are going through tribulation. So note here, Allah Ta'ala says that he will not test a soul with more than it can bear. And also, <coughs> clarifying upon this, there's actually more mercy from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And the report mentions in brief, So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has pardoned my people for their inadvertent mistakes, their forgetfulness, and for what they were forced to do. <laughs> this is in Ibn Majah, Behaki, and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated Hassan in As-Sahihah, sorry, in Sahih Sunan Ibn Majah number 1662. So this is another aspect of the divine mercy. If you make a mistake, and you had no intention. You, it was just a, you know, you had no, you know, you tried and you just, innocent mistake, you're forgiven. Secondly, if you forget, you're forgiven. And thirdly, you were forced to do something, you're forgiven. Was Allah the Almighty and glorious obliged to do that? No, that's His kindness. And how many times do we make use of these gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Adding further, in Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim, Nasai Abu Dawud, Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah, and others, Abu Huraira radiyallahu, he relates to the Abu Dawud Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has pardoned my ummah for what they say to themselves as long as they do not utter it or act upon it. So something goes to your heart, you are intending to do something. But it's not an intention, it's just the thought, you're forgiven that as well. As long as you don't utter it or act upon it. So again, note, Allah Ta'ala's mercy is immense. So when Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says that He does not charge a soul with more than it can bear, this is clarifying upon all this. And also in the same verse, verse 62, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, Before us is a record which clearly shows the truth. 
What does that mean? The worst will receive full justice. Ayy Shaitan, Firon, etc. The best will receive far more than they deserve. This is again the magnificence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The worst, they're going to get the full justice. The kitchen sinks and we thrown at them. The best will receive more than they do. So where's the proof? In Surah 28 verse 84. In Surah 28 verse 84, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that. <coughs> if any does good, the reward for him is better than his deed. Man ja'a bil hasanati falahu khayrun minha. But if any does evil, the doer of evil are only punished due to the extent of their deeds. وَمَنْ جَاءَ بِسَيِّئَةِ فَلَا يُجْزَ الَّذِينَ عَمِلُوا السَّيِّئَاتِ إِلَّا مَا قَانُوا يَأْمَنُوا Look at the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He explicitly says, if you do good, you will get more than you deserve. So paradise is more than what we deserve, even for the prophets. Because he said, nobody goes to paradise by his deeds. Because not even you, Ya Rasulullah. Because not, not even I, except by the grace and mercy of Allah. But when you commit evil, you are punished accordingly. But there's a deeper meaning here. In a hadith in Hakim, Talheem number 1237, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he recited Surah 28, verse 84. If any does good, Ibn Mas'ud said, this applies to whoever comes with La ilaha illallah. Then he recited, Whoever does evil, this applies to the one who commits shirk. So there's a deeper meaning here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if any does good, the reward is greater than the deed. Ibn Masood said, that's talking about Tawheed. If any does evil, he will be punished accordingly. That's talking about shirk. And Ibn Masood. So what's interesting, the reward for Tawheed is so great, you deserve more. But the sin of shirk is so heavy that that is just applied to you, the punishment, meaning eternity in the hell. You deserve hell forever if you commit shirk. So note again, this is a meaning here given by the great Ibn Mas'ud. So going back to the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, On no soul do we place a burden greater than it can bear. Before this is a record which clearly shows the truth, you will never be oppressed. So look how comprehensive that verse is. Think about that, right? You know, Allah is mentioning the, the root, the core. But you go into clarification, you think this is a lecture in itself. Subhanallah. Verse 63. But their hearts are in confused ignorance of this. And there are besides this deeds of theirs which they will continue to do. So now here, who's being referred to? Whose hearts are in confused ignorance? This is said of the unbelievers and they rejoice in the vanity of this world. In spite of the proclamation of truth, they are doubtful of the future life and judgment. So the unbelievers, Allah is describing them. It goes, even though they say to you with their mouths, we don't believe. Allah says they're confused. So they're agnostics. Now, why is that interesting? What are they confused about? They are confused about the future 
life after death and the day of judgment. So why is this very interesting that is placed here in the Quran? Because go back two verses. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about the righteous? In verse 60, <coughs> those who give charity with their hearts full of fear because they return to their Lord. So how does Allah Ta'ala describe the righteous? They're doing good deeds and they're scared. But then what does he say? With their hearts full of fear. Their hearts are full of fear because they know they are going to return to their Lord. How does Allah Ta'ala describe the unbelievers? Confused. And they are doubtful of the next. Look at the contrast. Allah Ta'ala is telling you, look, there's the difference. You've got the righteous, the ideal blueprint. You're doing their deeds and they're fearful because they know they're returning. They have no doubt about it. The kofar, confused. And they have doubt that they're going to return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala is telling you the difference between the two. Also, there's a report. In Qurtubi, Addur al-Mantur ibn Jarir ibn Kathir's tafsir. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he recited this portion of verse 63. And there are besides that deeds of theirs. Ibn Abbas explains evil deeds apart from shirk. Then he recited, Deeds and which they will do, continue to do. Means which they will inevitably do. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He's highlighting something very important here. He goes, there are besides these deeds which they will do, what is He separated from all evil? Shirk. So Allah Ta'ala is beautifully highlighting there is no sin greater than shirk and kufr. Because He says, there are besides this, what's this? <coughs> right? You know, what's this? And the response is, Ibn Abbas said it's shirk. So think about that. Allah Ta'ala is highlighting sometimes very subtly the gravity of the crime of shirk. In the previous verse, Allah Ta'ala goes, that is enough as sin for you to be punished forever in the fire. Now he's saying subtly, besides this, they will do other deeds, meaning whatever other sins they commit. He goes, that's just like they say, icing on the cake. That is enough for them to be destroyed. But at the same time, he teaches us, we need to know Tawheed. Verse 64, until when we cease in punishment, those of them who receive the good things of this world, behold, they will groan in supplication. <coughs> so now, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mean here when he says, until when we cease in punishment, those of them who receive the good things of this world, they will groan. So there's another passage in Surah 6 verse 44. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions there. So there's a hadith first, which explains the verse. The hadith is in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, number 17,313 or 4-145. Tabarani in his Kabir, 17-283. Tabari in his Tafsir, Ibn Jarir, number 13,272. Behaki, Zahabi in his Mishkat. Our beloved Uqba ibn Amr radiyallahu alayhi wa our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa when you see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving a servant whatever of the world he wants, despite his disobedience, then know that this is istidraj. He then recited Surah 6 verse 44. But when they forgot the warning they had received, 
we open to them the gates of all good things until in the midst of their enjoyment of our gifts, all of a sudden we call them to account when lo, they were plunged into despair. Subhanallah. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He's saying, like we say, giving rope to hang yourself. So it's a figure of speech. It means that you're actually doing something which the other person doesn't know that will destroy him. So how does Allah destroy a person and he doesn't even know he's being destroyed? He opens the floodgates. So a person goes, open the floodgates. What does that mean? He gives you. Is the world take it. But how do you know that this is a bad thing? Because you're sinning. If you persist in sins and Allah goes, here, take, have more. You are in a very, very dangerous condition. Very dangerous. What does Allah say? And the Prophet gave you the seal of the verse. When he gives them the good in the midst of their enjoyment, when does he take you out? At your peak. You're thinking, everything's going sweet. Allah loves me. He takes you out and then you are plunged into despair. Istidraj, the Prophet said, the rope to hang you. So how is this related to this verse? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say in verse 64? When we seize in punishment those of them who receive the good things of the world, behold, they will groan in supplication. This is why the awliya, they were more fearful of times of ease. <laughs> when tribulation came, they had big smiles on their faces. Cheshire cats. But when ease came and it prolonged, they got really wounded. You know, oh my God, what is happening? Now think about that. How strange a state that is for many of us. If something goes sweet for the year, we think, you are chosen. Chosen for what? This isn't the place to enjoy yourself. This is the place of tribulation. Dunya de As if you can paradise for you. Isn't that a sign there's something going wrong? Why? Because the Prophet said that a dunya signal movement. The world is the prison for the believer. How is that a prison? You're having a time of your life. Is that how Allah treats the believers? Giving them paradise on the earth. So note, and this is why when these things happen now, like in Palestine, more than 10,000 of our brothers and sisters have been taken. But the shuyuk said, don't worry about them. Worry about yourself. Why? Allah has taken them. Allah has purified them, forgiven them, inshallah. The living, they're the ones in trouble. Look at the stay wearing. Right? You know, if you think about it, you know, what a strange stay wearing. We're crying over people that, inshallah, have been forgiven. And we're not crying over those who've got no guarantee of nothing. In fact, are we in istidraj? And the guy looks at what does that mean? He's not even studying his deen, astaghfirullah. And what does Allah say? They will then groan in supplication, too late. Please, on the day of judgment, how much are they going to be groaning? Give us a second chance, sorry. Verse 65. It will be said, groan not in supplication this day, for you shall certainly not be helped by us. So the divine response is, stop wasting your time. How serious is the situation? When the unbeliever goes to help, just by way of clarification, he's begging Allah, please, please help us, forgive us. After 40 years, think about this. After 40 years, Malik, responds. He goes, do not even dare address me. 
So Malik says, what are you wasting your time for? 40 years, imagine. Then they will turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because let us turn directly to him. Then the hadith says they will be supplicating for as long as the duration of this world. How many billions of years is old is the world? One hadith goes double the time. So just a guess. They're making du'a for two billion years. And how does Allah finally respond? Don't you dare address me. Silence. Somebody goes, and then the hadith says they will start uh, groaning like donkeys in hell. So that's the state of the, the hadith mentions of the unbelievers. What does the Quran say? Groan not in supplication. You shall certainly never be held by us. It's too late. In fact, the people of paradise will see those who oppress them in the hellfire. So think about it. All those bombs dropping in Palestine. The brothers and sisters will be enjoying couches in paradise and they'll be seeing the oppressors. What does the Quran say? Let them laugh much while they weep. And what's beautiful about that is they drop bombs and you don't even know where it's coming from. So they've got the you know the picture. Look how the t- tables are reversed. They're seeing the buildings that they're destroying, the hospitals and the rest of it. And they press the button. So they can see what they're doing. We don't know what's happening. What does Allah do? Completely reverses it in, in paradise. You're looking at them, they don't know what's going on. So who's having the last laugh? But people are studying, getting emotional. Verse 66. My signs used to be rehearsed to you, but you used to turn back on your heels. <coughs> so what is being referred to here? So obviously it's referring to the Quran. There is a report. So the this hadith helps to explain. So this narration is recorded in Abu Nu'im, Deilami, Abu Ash-Sheikh, Qadi Iyad Shifa, page 218 of the English translation. Our beloved messenger, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi The Quran is hard and difficult for the one who hates it. Stop in the report. No Muslim will say he hates the Quran. But what's the saying in English? Your actions speak louder than your words. Is what do you mean? Do you find the Quran difficult? What do you mean? Do you find it like you you know you find it difficult to understand? You find it like a, a, a chore, yeah. You hate it. You get stuck for love, but you can't say that. I'm not saying that. The Prophet said it. The Quran is hard and difficult for the one who hates it. That's a sign of damnation. How many Muslims have got that sign? Then he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it is judgment. Why? Because if you hate it, it's going to destroy you. Whoever clings to what I say, now he turns to the Sunnah, whoever clings to what I say, understands it, retains it, then it also will be like the Quran for him. The, the Sunnah is also salvation, the Prophet said, if you understand and implement it. Whoever considers what the Quran says unimportant <coughs> and what I say unimportant and neglects it loses this world and the next. So stop in the report. What did then the Prophet say? If you think the Quran is not important, which many people think is not important, they won't say it. But they don't bother about it. It's not important to you, brother. Yeah, 
you've destroyed your world in the akhirah. Now what's interesting? You've destroyed your world. <laughs> How's that enough for a slap in the face? And where's the proof? Who's ruling the world now? You've lost your world. The Prophet told you. He goes, you neglect the Quran and so you lose your world. But really, you've lost the akhirah. Then the Prophet said, my ummah is commanded to take my words and obey my recommendations and follow my sunnah. Whoever is pleased with my words is pleased with the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and he recited through the 59 verse 7, take what the messenger gives you. There's the problem. If the Quran is hard upon you, that is a very bad sign. And how many people have said it? Just they blatantly say, Quran's deep, brother. <laughs> you might as well say, oh, brother, I've lost my world in Akhirat. Why didn't you just say that? <laughs> what are you talking about? He's like, I've just told him that the Quran is deep. Yeah. No, it isn't. Yeah. And the guy who's saying he's got a PhD. One brother was, you know, told me that. Because you got a PhD, brother. How come you're saying the Quran is deep? <laughs> it means it's not important. I go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. If it's not important, see you later, mate. You're doomed. <laughs> Right? And think about it. The Prophet وسلم, said in Razil and Mishkat, he goes, Ya uh, O Jibreel, والسلام, what is the way out for my ummah in those troubled times which we're in now, end of times? Jibreel والسلام, said, The Quran. When you hear that before, you think, I don't get it. Yeah, because you got the illness. The Prophet وسلم, said, Allah raises people with this book and he lowers people with this book. Does he say anywhere that he just leaves the people in their place? He doesn't mention that anywhere. Meaning, Quran will honor you or destroy you. There's no in between. So what's happened? You need to return back to the Quran. Right? And the person goes, yeah, but I do khatam twice in Ramadan. Good for you, man. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, my signs used to be rehearsed to you, but you used to turn back on your heels. Then he says, in verse 67, in arrogance, talking evil about it by night. Now, what is this in reference to? This is a very deep verse. In arrogance, mustaqbirina bih, samiran tahjurun, talking evil about it by night. So here there's a few things mentioned. So in Ma'rif quran volume 6, Page 324 of the English translation. Mufti Shafi, he, he recited the verse. He said, being proud over it, what's it? Indulging in tales at night, talking nonsense. He said, according to many commentators, the word bihi, it, in this verse, is reference to the haram, the sanctuary of Makkah. Although there is no specific mention of the haram in the verse, yet the very close association of the Quraysh of Makkah with it and their great pride in this association renders a specific mention of the haram unnecessary. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Talking evil, being proud over it. Being proud over it. What's this? Being proud over what? What's it? The haram. Who's Allah talking about? He's condemning somebody. He's condemning the unbelieving Quraysh. They're proud over the haram, the Kaaba. Then the Shaykh said, the purpose of the verse 
is to mention the causes of their aversion against the Quran. So we know who's been addressed now is the unbelieving Quraysh. Why is Allah Ta'ala talking about them? Because they are turning away from the Quran. What is causing the unbelieving Quraysh to turn away from the Quran? Mufti Shafi says three reasons. The first, their pride in their being the neighbors and caretakers of the haram. <laughs> we are the chosen ones. Who are the chosen ones? The Quraysh. Why? We're looking after the Kaaba. The Lagos, that's one of the reasons they're turning away from the Quran. Just like the Bani Israel. We are the chosen ones. Very good. Then Mufti Shafi said, the other two factors can be determined from the verse. The word Samiran, so look at the verse. Mustaqbiran bihi Samiran tahjurun. The word Samiran is derived from Samar, meaning a moonlit night. When you got the middle of the month and the beautiful full moon, moonlit night. It was a favorite pastime with the Arabs to assemble on moonlit nights and tell stories. Thus the word Samar came to be used in the sense of stories and anecdotes. And Samar means a raconteur. This points to the second reason for the repudiation of divine communication by the unbelievers of Makkah. So think about it. Look at the eloquence of the Quran. Allah Ta'ala is using a word, Samiran. Samiran literally means a moonlit night. But then a person goes, How? I don't understand. But what is the connotation of that? It means they used to sit next to the Kaaba, moonlit night, and start talking crap. <laughs> right? You know, yeah, our fathers went to war with this father. Yeah, yeah. Right? So Allah Ta'ala is saying, this is the second reason that is taking them away from the Quran. Now how is that linked to us? We watch crap. That's all you need to know. Then he said, their preoccupation with petty and frivolous matters, such as storytelling and their lack of interest in divine message, caused them to swerve. Lahwal hadith, music, the Quran mentions. Everything is music now. Even adverts. News, music. <laughs> then people just watch, you know, box sets. Right? Mashallah. Right? Here's the son of Adam watching box sets, right? Second thing that takes them away from the revelation. Then he said, and finally there was a third reason for this state of affairs. Namely, they used to indulge in foolish talk and pass unseemly remarks about Rasulullah. That destroyed them. Think about that. They're doing all these other things. You think, okay, you think you're special because you're looking after the Kaaba. But you're unbelievers. <laughs> Secondly, bakwas ke bakwas, storytelling around the Kaaba. Is that what the Kaaba is for? And thirdly, the worst of their crimes. He's a liar. Who's a liar? Who's a madman? Who they're calling a madman? Imagine any. Not your Sheikh. Right? Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wa You know, people get under the color of their Sheikh. My Sheikh and spiritual mentor. Good for you, Paul. Right? Rasulullah has been talked evil about. No response. Sallallahu alayhi wa so again, this, these are the three things Allah Ta'ala says in one simple verse. In arrogance, being proud over it, indulged in tales at night, talking nonsense. 
Who is Allah Ta'ala talking about? He's talking about the unbelieving Quraysh, but he's warning the Muslims. If you have those evils, you will turn away from the Quran. Haven't we got them? You know, haven't we got these evils? Rasulullah is just a man. Is it? Right? Is it? Sallallahu alayhi wa Right? What else? Bakwas ke bakwas. I ain't got time, brother. It's penalty shootout between England and Germany. I ain't got time for Maghrib. That's interesting. Right? What else? Kaaba Sharif. You know, I hugged it and I kissed it. But when you backbiting around it, right? And then what happens? Brother, Quran, oh, too deep, brother. Quran, that's scholarly subject. There you go. You got the illnesses. Then Mufti Shafi said, the word tahjurun, look at the word Allah Ta'ala uses, tahjurun, is derived from hujr, hujr, meaning to speak nonsense, to use foul language. Hujr. To speak nonsense, to use foul language. So Allah Ta'ala is telling you that this is the manifestation of these evils. And also to finish, in Nasai 6-412 Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he said, talking by late night became disapproved when this verse was revealed. <coughs> so what does Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala say? They used to talk tales of night around the Kaaba. This is the verse which caused Rasulullah to dislike people to talk into the night without obviously necessity. Then Ibn Abbas said, they boasted about the Kaaba and said, we are his people who stay up talking at night. They used to boast and stay up and talk at night around the Kaaba. Hence, they did not use it for the proper purpose. And so in effect, they had actually abandoned it, said Ibn Abbas. Right, so all of this is helping to explain. And what's beautiful in the next verse, Allah Ta'ala talks about the Quran. Do they not ponder over the word? Allah Ta'ala then goes back to the Quran saying, These are ailments you need to be you know, aware of. So I'll decide the verse. وَلَا نُكَلِّفُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا وَلَدَيْنَا كِتَابٌ يُنْتِقُ بِالْحَقِّ وَهُوَ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ بَلْ قُلُوبُهُمْ فِي غَمْلَةٍ مِّنَ هَذَا وَلَهُمْ عَمَالٌ مِّن دُونِ ذَلِكَ هُمْ لَهَا عَامِلُونَ حَدَّا إِذَا أَخَذْنَا مُتْلَفِيهِمْ بِالْعَذَابِ إِذَا هُمْ يَجْعَلُونَ لا تجعلوا اليوم إنكم منا لا تنصرون قد قانت آياتي تطلع عليكم فكنتم على أقابكم تنكسون مستقبلين به صاملا تحجرون we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an with a view of our hearts. And we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives me for any else which I may have inadvertently uttered. <laughs>